welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. You can always find us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and if you like what you hear, give us a good review. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Chris Reeves, the third-ranked counselor at Beachwood High School, and I'm here with Joel Ford, counselor at Connor High School, with the top-ranked bald head on this podcast. Our producer, Mike Piergalski, also known as either the second, third, or fifth-ranked English teacher at Beachwood, depending who you ask. We have some exciting things planned for this episode, including our deep dive into college rankings. My goodness, I've been waiting and waiting and thinking about this episode. We have an interview with a senior who battled the forces of college application season this year. And if you're lucky, some words of wisdom at the end of the podcast. We're calling this episode College Rankings. We are excited to get to it. But first, the news. Joel, you know I don't read the news or watch it. So what's going on with college admission this week? Well, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that we know the college admission scandal is still going on, and I'm sure as it progresses, we will have plenty of things to say as it comes to some sort of resolution. But there are some other interesting articles that caught my attention this week. Um, I did see one article. Uh, the headline was, Most Graduates Believe College Degree Mostly Worth It. Um, Sounds promising. Yeah. Uh, CNBC reported on its website that 7 in 10 college Seniors graduate in the red, owing about $30,000 per borrower, according to the most recent data from the Institute for College Access and Success. While total student loan debt stands at an all-time high of, do you remember? Something trillion. $1.5 trillion. The majority of graduates have no regrets, for the most part. In a Go Banking Rate survey of 500 adults, 58% of respondents said that college was worth the debt accrued. Still, 42% said no, in part because of the impact such a financial commitment can have on other milestones, such as buying a house or starting a family. Um, 44% said that their college degree was very valuable to their career goals, whereas only about 11% said it was not valuable at all. Most agreed, and this is probably the, the most important piece, that, quote, they wouldn't have their job without their degree. Yeah, I think what's happening is the break-even points just getting older. And what I mean by that is simply when you uh, finally pay off your debt and, and then you're, you're making more money and then lifetime earnings is, is increasing, uh, it just doesn't happen at 23 anymore. Right. You're 30-something when you, when you break even on this, on this investment. And I'd, I'd be curious what the data is to, to show, has there been a, a resulting, like, are you older now when you buy your first home than you used to be? What's the average age of a person when they have their first child? as opposed, because you have that financial impact. Yeah. I'd be curious what that data would show. Sounds like a possible possible episode. Sounds like maybe I ought to do some research on the side. Um, Another headline that caught my eye, um, the Education Department wants colleges to be clear on attendance cost. Uh, Politico reported that the Education Department is, quote, telling colleges they should be clear in what financial aid they're offering students and how much their schools will cost to attend. End quote. The Trump administration is suggesting schools avoid calling financial aid offers awards or letters, and it's urging them to be clear about where aid is coming from as well as the cost to attend their schools. Our profession's been shouting that for years. Right. That's old news I, for I, us. I don't think that's a, a I don't think there's anything political in this. No. I think we all would want the whole college admissions process to be clear. 
Um, I know I have kids. I know you do that. They come in with these award letters. Congratulations. You've just won a big loan. Right. Well, or they don't even know, like, what do all these numbers mean? You know, where... No, those are terrible. You know. Those letters are really hard. They need, it needs to be better. Right. So I think anything that uh, would promote more clarity, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, I think we all could go for Congratulations, that. Department of Education, for stating the obvious. So, but I, it hasn't changed, okay. so we might as well keep stating right. it. Right. Um, I also saw that Senate Democrats are pushing public service loan forgiveness changes and appropriations talks. Uh, a group of Senate Democrats led by Elizabeth Warren is urging Senate appropriators to include language in this year's Education Department funding bill that eases the rules for some applicants seeking a second chance at public su- public service loan forgiveness. Uh, Congress set aside a combined $700 million over the past two fiscal years to address the large number of borrowers who failed to qualify for loan forgiveness because they enrolled in the wrong repayment plan. Well, again, go back to Article 2 and the confusion that financial aid. Right. Uh, but that temporary fix hasn't been working much better as nearly all of the individuals who applied for their second chance were denied again. Uh, Warren and 15 other senators write in a letter that they believe the Trump administration's unnecessarily restrictive approach has led to the 96% denial rate among borrowers um, in the temporary expanded program. Um, Democrats want to mandate that the Education Department better inform borrowers about the Second Chance Loan Forgiveness Program. Um, And the proposed appropriations rider is separate from another more sweeping effort to overhaul the public service loan forgiveness program. A group of Democrats, including many 2020 contenders, last week unveiled legislation that would expand forgiveness to borrowers of all types enrolled in any of the various plans. The bill would also forgive half of a borrower's loan balance after five years of public service rather than the current 10 years. You know, the one comment that I would make, especially you know, from our travel in Washington earlier this this um, semester, pay attention to the appropriations bills. Uh, with the Higher Education Act being reauthorized and spending bills, it's going to be key for the average person to pay attention to who wants to spend what where um, as the year progresses. I think it falls under the theme of transparency. Yeah. <clears throat> and then finally, I saw one. Uh, college loans should not be restricted by major Um, In an op-ed for the Columbus Dispatch, um, Monsieur Accordia University President Thomas Botsman writes, one of the new scenarios to hold colleges accountable is the creation of major-by-major metrics to determine financial aid eligibility based on repayment rates by recent graduates. Uh, He said, while this is an understandable approach, it will not work in the real world, adding that evaluating loans by major will be expensive and will add another layer of bureaucratic red tape. Certain majors that do not pay well, such as teacher education, perhaps that's why that caught my eye. <laughs> that's probably uh, why it caught your eye. Or social work will be that at sounds a, complicated. Yeah, will be at a disadvantage, and students from first-gen college families and low-income students who may have difficulty with loans with loans would be, in effect, pushed toward avoiding college, thus limiting social mobility and restricting the size of the educated workforce. I guess I never even considered the idea of itemizing loans based on major and career field. Yeah, I mean that's an idea, but. Again, that's really that's that seems like that's going to be cost prohibitive. Yeah, um, the the amount of effort to track all of that. Yeah, let's just yeah, nope. So uh, those are just some of the the news stories that caught my eye. Um, and so with that, let's go on and take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll explore the world, college rank. Come on, come on, let's do it.
Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Oh man, I'm excited to talk about these rankings. And, and here we go. First, this, this may be the what? this may be the top ranked podcast that we do. I'm going to rank this number one out of four. <laughs> there you go. Right now. There you go. And here's why rankings matter. If you're a longtime listener, you know, like an episode, like John here, who we'll interview soon. Yep. He's one of our listeners. Or if you follow the college admissions scandal, you'll understand that the desire to attend certain schools is due in large part to the perceived value of, of that school. Simply put, the higher the rank, the better the school. That's the perception. But is it true? It's rhetorical. Know. Yeah. That's what we're here to find out. It's probably too complicated to know, really. I mean, in general, I feel like it's a no. And if the, if the rankings were accurate, then, then maybe that would be more true. But I, the problems of rankings themselves, how, they're, how we get the number, right. that's the issue. It's, it's, if you could rank schools on, on things that matter, then maybe the rankings would have some value. And, it, and, and honestly, I wish rankings were used more as a springboard for doing research as opposed to the definitive guide on this school is better than that school. Well, and, and honestly, I think the average consumer, the average yeah. college applicant, I think they see a chart. I mean, we're, lo- we're looking at this chart right now as we're preparing for this, and you see a lot of different numbers and a lot of different measures, and it's a lot of data. And I think the average person doesn't pay attention to how it's calculated they just see my school is ranked this, and it's in this fancy book, and so it must be true. And and especially as soon as it's printed, as soon as it's in black and white, with all these all these numbers, right? It looks official. It's all of a sudden believable, right? And so I, you know, I'm 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 interested for us to explore where these numbers are coming from. That's why my fantasy football team is so bad because I just go with the rankings published on the website on ESPN, and then I draft the next best player, and they're always terrible. So I think the same thing could apply, but just because someone wrote it, it's oh, it must be true. Yeah, it and be. it's its own it's its own issue. I mean, it's 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 nice and thick, and all these numbers and all these schools. It, and, and for the record, uh, the rankings are when you say college rankings, we're talking about the U.S. News and World Report college rankings. Uh, it's whenever you say rankings, just in general public, that's 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 the the one. There are all kinds of different ranking systems in different places, but this is the one people talk about when when they talk about rankings. And a better question might be, what what then are we ranking? I'm about to stereotype here, but I believe for the most part, it's it's true. University boards and presidents want higher rankings. There's a lot of pressure. Higher rankings lead to better fundraising. So my goodness, let's do what we need to do to get higher rankings. There's where the pressure's coming. We, you and I work a lot with college admission, mm-hmm. um, not, not deans, but directors of admission. Uh, admissions counselors. Admissions counselors. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not in charge. Right. They're not in charge. They, they have to do what they have to do. They're in charge of making the publication. Right. And they know that in the publication, they need to put where they're ranked. But And it's all about yield. Like, there's so much pressure to go out and find all these, these qualified kids and bring them in. So now the money comes in. So now the rankings go up. 
it, it's it's just oh yeah it's we'll, a snowball. we'll talk about the implications of this right. as we go yeah. as we go through because there are some serious implications and I'll, I'll be completely honest with with you and everyone else I didn't know exactly how it was calculated mm-hmm. I knew there were different aspects and I kind of had to just for what it was but I didn't know exactly numerically how this was calculated until uh, I dove into this article and the truth is I I read this article and I think that's when I called you about starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like this is what this is this this is the genesis of of what we're doing right now. Well, and I maybe I'm wrong. After reading all of this, I think I think the intention is good. You know, they talk about they've done this for 33 years and they try and adjust their measures as you know as they feel like they need to. And I think I, I think for the most part they're trying to do what they think is a good service. But like you, I, I just question some of the measures. Right. And in our profession, even though I totally agree that you that, that, that there's some good intentions, they aren't looked at very highly. I mean, the U.S. News and World Report is looked at as like garbage mm. by our profession. And I don't think they're trying to be trashy at all. I think they're right. – I don't know if there are much better ways, but – I'm not here to offer solutions today. I'm here to talk about the problems well, we with this one, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And and let's let's get right into it and how 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 this is calculated. Um, I know you wanted to talk about the the people involved in in writing this and making mm-hmm. it. And it's not very clear, but I know it, it can't be it's not 100,000 people. It's a handful of people collecting all this data, right. putting it together. And maybe if they listen, they'll reach out and tell us. But I don't. It doesn't say anywhere no, right, in the magazine right. how many how many people are in charge of this. But the top score is a hundred, and they're broken out into six categories. We're going to hit it. Just, let's hit this one category at a time. I'll start with category one, which I think is the best category, which are which are outcomes. Outcomes are measurable, and it's worth thirty five of the hundred points. It's the biggest category. The sophomore retention. And six-year graduation rate are worth 22 points. As a high school person, sometimes I laugh a little at the six-year graduation rate because we're we're hammered on the four-year graduation right. rate. Someone graduates in five years, you know, you don't get the points in your in your state in your system. Accountability, yeah. Although it takes a lot more effort to get the kid to come back. Right. You should get bonus points right. for helping a kid graduate. I said that but, all the time. I know. Uh, sophomore retention <clears throat> defined as uh, students returning. For their sophomore year, and not even transferring. I mean, that, that counts too. Uh, returning just to college, right? Well, for the for these colleges, I guess it would be um, to returning to their own college. Graduation rate performance is worth eight points, and that is that is defined as the graduation rate versus a predicted graduation rate. Okay. Don't ask me. So I don't know what that means. Exactly. Basically, they say in here, we compare a school's six-year graduation rate for the class that entered to the graduation rate we predicted for that class. Yeah, what? what? How do you predict? I'm pretty sure Yasiel Puig is going to hit 30 home runs this year, and if he has 25. Right. <laughs> or are you looking yeah. at an incoming you know, room full of students, and I think you're going to make it. But so it's you, a good-looking group. Yeah, not so much. It's a good-looking group. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't really know where that's coming right. from. Well, you, get eight, you can get eight points. Well, there that. you go. And there's five more points. Which is something that we think is pretty cool, actually. It's a social mobility measure. You take your Pell Grant recipients and you measure their graduation rate versus everyone else. And Pell Grant recipients are the, the students coming from disadvantaged backgrounds. They're getting assistance through federal grants and, and subsequently state grants, usually, to, to attend college. 
you take that group of students, compare it to everyone else on campus, and, and did your college, did your university do a good job with those, those, those kids? And I, I believe college is transformational. Mm-hmm. I believe it's, it's the key. It's the ticket. It's the way to change patterns in your life or your family's life. And that's worth five points. We'll have some categories later that are worth more than that, but that's that's a good that's a good outcome. That's right. a good outcome. If if a college can score well on those five points, I don't know where this you know how that falls in all all of these colleges scores, but if they score well on those five points, I'm happy. I'd like to see that one worth more. Sure. So there's category one, 35 points, so about a third of the total coming from measurable outcomes. You've got a category two, faculty resources. You can get a possible 20 points um, in this category. Um, the largest chunk of that 20 points comes from measuring class size, um, which can be up to eight points. Um, schools receive the most credit in this index for their proportion of undergraduate classes with fewer than 20 students, then the classes with 20 to 29, then 30 to 39, and then 40 to 49. Um, classes that have 50 or more students receive no credit in that point total. Wow. So smaller class sizes, the more points you accrue. Uh, faculty salary, which is worth seven points. Uh, what they do is they take the average faculty pay plus benefits um, during two, um, well, since we're measuring 2018, it was 2015, 16, 2016, 17 academic years. They adjusted for regional differences in the cost of living. Using indexes from the consulting firm Runtimer International. Sounds fancy to me. It does. It does. Um, so that's seven points there. Um, then they, you, you can have up to three points uh, when they measure the proportion of professors with the highest degree in their field. You've got one point for student-faculty ratios. And then you have um, the rest come from the proportion of full-time faculty. That's your last point there to come up with that total 20 points. And again, back to universities, uh, presidents and boards want better rankings. Mm -hmm. This is something they have complete control over. Right. They can put the resources toward that and it is an investment. If they have the money, this this is a rich get richer Mm -hmm. scenario. And a a lot of the college rankings are, are a rich get richer scenario. And you know, people people work hard. They, they they raise money. They get their boots on the ground. Fine, it's great. I'm, I'm happy that, that students can go to colleges with smaller classes. Right. Uh, but if they have complete control over this, I think they'll I think they'll use that. I think it, it's, it's interesting that one. I'll be saying this a lot, but the social mobility measure is worth five points, and what you pay your faculty is worth seven points, mm-hmm. which is forty percent higher than that social mobility measure. And, and we're always telling students, find out the student-faculty ratio. It's only worth one point right. in this calculation. But I, I think we just need to give our students better questions. What's your average freshman class size? Or, or how many of your classes are fewer than 50? Maybe that's something right. I'll, add, I'll add to, to the stuff I give my or make students. Or sure, make sure you find out how many freshmen come back for their sophomore year. Um, you know, th- right. things that are actu- actually measurable. Right. And this yeah. helps, I think, in our offices, this helps us give give uh, our students better, sure. better questions. All right, category three. Category three. Oh, this is our favorite. Expert opinion. <laughs> no, really. Expert opinion. Expert opinion. It, 
it's 20 points down from 22.5 next last year. So they're, they're always adjusting what, what matters in this. And that, that may be where the social mobility measure kind of got added in. I don't remember what year that happened, but it's more recent. So a survey of presidents, provosts, and admission deans to rate the academic quality of peer institutions is worth 15 points. And I might say, yes, three times that value of the social mobility measure. Right. Joel, your school's awesome. No. I'm going to give you 100. I, I appreciate that, but I just want you to know I think your school's awesome too. Why don't you get 100 points as well? I know. We'll give... Let's just give each other 100 points. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, we must be a good school. We must be a good school. I mean, that's that's what it feels like. It's just everybody gives themselves a pat on the back if they're a, a peer institution. And so now you automatically have all these points. You think any of the other school, you think anyone gets iced? Like, do you think Harvard gives Princeton, like, zero? <laughs> I don't think you're that good this year. You know what? You beat us in football? Yeah. No zero kidding. points. Okay. On my expert opinion. And then there's uh, 24,400 counselors who are interviewed uh, for five points, their opinion of the schools. Uh, so, Joel, uh, what, do you, what do you think of uh, UVA? Well, I, it, it sounds nice. Have you been there? I, I saw them win the national championship. They must be oh, good. 100 points. Yeah. Which, you know, whatever, five points, 100%. Right. Uh, and if it, there are different lists, we didn't really describe this, but you have the national list, and then and then for regional schools, it's broken up into separate rankings. Uh, so in the regional rankings, they don't use the survey presidents or provosts because they feel like they don't know as much about the regional schools, and the counselor opinions count for all twenty points for regional universities. I'm just sitting here thinking, how do you how do you know? Have, the, have all 24,400 of these people been on every single campus they provide a ranking for? It's, I guess it's probably not. It's just, it's a it's, freaking it, opinion. Right. It's, let's face it, this one, this one gets a big X. Well, it's, it's just stupid. And it goes, it goes directly back to one of the first comments you made in this segment, perception. Yeah. So, right. I mean, I'm going to develop my opinion in 2019, 2020. I guess I'll go read the rankings from 2017, 2018 and see what's written. Oh, wow. They were ranked high. They must still be good. Exactly. I get a lot of emails from them. So, I mean, they must have it going on. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, we're being a little flippant about it, but just the idea that... Because it's stupid. There's nothing measurable here. There's nothing measurable. Um, It's all opinion-based. Right. Outcomes, I can handle that. I can ride with right. that. I can, I, can see, I can see where that makes a lot of sense. And, and yeah, I would have my own opinion on what, how much value would be assigned to some of those outcomes. But honestly, expert opinion, are you absolutely freaking kidding me? And, and you know, a fifth of this whole measure being based on that, that can dramatically impact the schools that a student looks at. Sure. And it's worth 400% more than the social mobility measure that we mentioned earlier. <laughs> you know, you're pretty good at math for being a former English teacher. I'm just saying. I'm just math to throw was my highest ACT. <laughs> I don't know why I became an English teacher. <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there. Category four, financial resources, worth 10 points. Um, directly from the U.S. News uh, description, generous per-student spending indicates that a college can offer a wide variety of programs and services. Uh, so... Basically, what they do is they look at per-student spending on instruction, research, student services, and related educational expenditures. 
in this case, because we're talking about um, the rankings for 2018, they use 2015 and 2016 measures to come up with that. Um, it does not include sports, so unfortunately, Ohio State football Buckeyes. doesn't help them out in the rankings. It doesn't include residence halls, doesn't include hospitals as far as the spending number if it did, we'd be ranked higher than Michigan. Well, there you go. We're not. There you go. But we would be. There you go. That may be the only way you guys are going to be ranked <laughs> higher than Michigan, but we digress. Uh, category five, student excellence. This has, this has a lot of implication in, in our offices for mm-hmm. sure. And when we hit John's interview, it has implications with, with that too. Um, it used to be 11.25 points. It's now worth 10 points. Test scores and class standing. And it's funny because I don't, we don't rank. Okay. Our students, we don't provide rank. I don't know how. The, I don't know how the college. I guess they just don't include our students in their data or something. But test scores are worth seven point seven five points, and class class standing, class rank, is worth two point two five points, adding up to a ten total points. This is why colleges get really picky about the numbers. They 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 tell you, sorry, colleges, this is true. They tell you how much they want someone with high character, and they care a lot more about test scores than they let on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that now. Maybe I always will believe that. But it's, Well, and it's because when you report that middle 50% of your freshman class, you're not reporting their character. You're reporting no. their GPA and their test score. The character doesn't fall in the categories. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't help in, help them in their or, rankings. Or, or their potential for growth and success. And, again, they do care about these rankings. Right. They do care. We, we talk privately with a lot of college people, hanging out, the hotel bar, just, you know, chilling. They don't like them either. Right. It's still in the publications. Okay. It's still in everything I read. It's still on the websites. Right. But... I learned a sneaky little trick that I didn't know because I'm not in I'm not in these like highly elite high school counselor groups. I think one's called Axis. There's like these special secret clubs or something that these okay. really elite counselors go to. I didn't know that some elite schools, and when I say elite, I mean people you know in these in these rankings. I don't mean better. I just mean elite in these rankings. They'll do January admits. And here's why. The data for U.S. News and World Report rankings is collected in the fall, from what I understand. Okay. So you have your freshman class entering the fall. Well, if they want to, if they really do have a high character kid, they want to let in, but they don't really want them counting against their rankings. They'll just give them a winter admit, spring semester admit, and it's pretty freaking sneaky. Mm-hmm. But. It does allow them to get the student. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't quote-unquote count against them. No, it doesn't count the, against In the yeah. rankings. So it doesn't count against them. It's pretty kind of, I don't know, man. It's a little despicable in some sense. There was a case this year, side note, there was a case this year where a kid applied early decision and the school tried to hold them to it, but they gave him a January admit. Wow. Everybody on the message boards were like, eh, eh, eh. Right. No, no, no. That can't, don't do that. Can't do that. But the school really did try to hold them to their early decision after they gave them the January admit. Right. Silly stuff. But the test scores are worth, again, 7.75. And, and that's where 
you know, a kid a kid with a, a 30, 30 high character versus a kid with a 34 who's, you know, good character or whatever, they may pick the 34. Right. So for our final category, category six, I feel like I need a trick chart and an abacus and everything <laughs> just to keep up with all these numbers. Uh, category six, alumni giving, worth a, a total of five points. Um, so this reflects the average percentage of living alumni with bachelor's degrees who give back to their school. Allegedly, this reflects how satisfied a student is going to be because if I was satisfied with my experience, then I would be willing to give back to my university. So obviously that means students are going to be more satisfied coming in. Um, nothing against my universities that I attended, but a lot of times when those phone calls come to me, I really kind of get annoyed. You know, when, uh, when yeah. a lot of the... You know, oh, There's a whole new strategy yeah. now, too. Like, hey, how are you today? Yeah. I'm Remember from, Western? Yeah. Did you have a good time? Yeah. 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 So, I, I don't know. I, You know, the the amount that I would give or not give to a university, to me, is is not... No, this or, is just, it's not an accurate measure of my satisfaction. This is a classic example of rich get richer. Right. I mean, literally, it's giving. But uh, students who have more loans... Maybe they've gone to a college that, that, that doesn't have the resources to meet full need. Mm-hmm. So you're paying student loans for a longer period of time. You're certainly not going to donate money to your university, probably, if you're still paying your loans for that school. Uh, students who go to schools, uh, you know, there are plenty of schools who, who do meet full demonstrated need, and their endowments are so high they can afford to do that, and then the giving just increases and the rich get richer. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, again, people work hard. It's fine in some ways, but it's a fact that okay. this, this happens this way. Uh, the total scores are curved, so the highest score is 100. When you look in the magazine and you see that, is Princeton won this year? I believe so. If Princeton's won, Princeton has 100. Yep, they have 100. But they don't really have 100. Everybody just gets, everybody just gets bumped up uh, with, with the curve. Right. To, so, so number one's 100, number two's 98. Three right. is 96. Yeah, so none of those are the actual scores. Right. It's, you know, if Princeton would have scored a 92, then everyone's really eight points lower. And it doesn't matter because your ranking, the, the number doesn't matter as much as the number in front of the school, which is one, two, three, four, five. So, so the problem with that is the assumption is that Princeton has 100. Was perfect. Right. When in reality, no school is going to be perfect, most likely. So we don't know how big... We don't know how big the curve is. The, right. We no. don't know what the real score is versus the published score. We don't. We don't know how. That seems to be a problem, I would think. I'd like to know what the real score is. I wonder what the conversations are like at colleges. Okay, we want to get a higher score. Let's sit down in the room. Let's close the doors. Let's turn off any recording devices. You know, code of silence. Let's let's how are we going to raise our scores? Right. I I know those talks are happening. Right. And at, at the highest levels, and then the directors of admissions are pretty much told what to do. Mm-hmm. But at the highest levels, provosts, deans, presidents, boards those those conversations are are happening, and probably in some interesting, uh, crass, unfiltered ways. Right. I'm sure. So. If we take take rankings and make them less significant than what the perception is, right? What should families really be using and looking for when they are searching for colleges? Well, what do you do? 
What do you tell kids? Well, first phrase automatically out of my mouth is right fit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you that's... It, it, it doesn't matter if it's ranked 1 or 101. Is it the right fit? Does it have your major? Does it financially make sense? Does it have the extracurriculars and things that you're looking for? Does it feel like a place that you can learn? Not, oh, you're ranked 8th. I need to go there. I had a teacher this week in the teacher's lounge talk to me. Uh, we're talking about the, you know, our episode and everything. And she, her, her question is, yeah, but how do I know if a school is no good? You know, like, how, how can I use the rankings mm-hmm. to, to tell if a school is no good? And, and I, I, you know, it's not the best language or phrasing and not, nothing I would use. But what? How about going back to that original category of measurable outcomes? Right. Is that what you tell your kids? Yeah. Um, look at look at graduation rates and retention rates and and if you're going to a, a, into a field that requires a graduate degree, right? How many where do where do the undergrads go to graduate school? Do they get into the first school of their choice? You know things that we can actually put a measure on. Or yes, yeah, certification right. exams like right. NCLEX tests, NCLEX tests. And stuff like that for nursing. I mean that's going to be a lot more beneficial than a, a peer review that may or may not most likely not be an accurate measure. We don't want to dish on parents too much. Would you ever get families who are really obsessed with rankings? Uh, I see, I've see. i seen it more just on my end with students, okay. honestly. Is it because they just don't know and that's the easiest right. thing to find? Right. It's, it's, it's out there. Everyone knows what it is. You pull up a college's website. I bet you more times than not, if they've got a good ranking, it's at the bottom of the web page, right where the contact us you know, information right. is. Um, they don't, again, like what I was saying before, all they see is this school is ranked here, and most of them don't do the intense breakdown that we're doing. So if it's in print, if it's in this publication, it must be so. I think producer Mike P wants us to take a quick break. Let's do it. All right, let's do that. We're going to hit, uh, we're going we're to take a look at our our topic from four different lenses and then we'll have an interview with John. Sounds good. All right. See you after the break. All right. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Uh, so for every topic uh, for, for most weeks and normal podcasts, we want to look at the focus of the day from four different lenses. So here goes. Lens one, if you're a school counselor, you need to help students as they need help. If they're applying to top schools, you're obligated to help them. You can inform, you can teach families about how rankings are calculated, and you can suggest students add schools to their list that you feel fit them well. Autonomy is an ethical principle for you, but you can always work a little Jedi mind trick magic to guide them to great places. If you're at a university, what I'd really like to say is have some guts. If we agree that rankings are flawed, try not using them. You're the front line. You're the ones who either put them in your promotional materials or don't put them in your promotional materials. I can't tell you how many college people agree that the rankings are garbage, yet they still appear. Being an insider, I know the decisions are made much, much higher but until the colleges, thank you, Reed College, look that up, get rid of them. If you don't get rid of them, nothing changes. That's right. If you're a parent, and we're both parents of 
college age or soon-to-be oh, yeah. college age kids. I forgot about that. You forgot about your kids. Yeah. Understand that your kids aren't going to have terrible lives if they don't go to the highest ranked schools. You have no idea which professor or student or experience is going to inspire your child. Find a place that fits their personality and your budget. Your kid is probably awesome. After they go to college, they're probably still going to be awesome. And they're going to accomplish great things whether their school is ranked 1 or 100. Agreed. If you're a student, just chill, please. <laughs> Visit some campuses. Make sure the professors are doing cool research if you know your field. Find some schools that fit your middle 50 academically in places that would be cool to live. My favorite fit of all time. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this one, Joel. I, I don't know why in some ways, but this still sticks with me. And he knows I believe this because I've told him. My favorite fit of all time was a kid named J.T. Tebby. He was, he was outdoorsy, mm-hmm. and, and he could have looked at all kinds of places all across the country, and he chose Murray State, and it, it was perfect for him. Like, I, just, I think of JT at Murray, I'm like, that's the one kid ever in all these years that I'm like, that fits him. It was perfect for him. You think JT will be fine? I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. He'll be awesome. Uh, and he didn't go broke because his scholarships were also pretty sweet. Right. And just so you know, Murray State is in the western part of Kentucky. You probably recognize him from John Morant, who's going to be making a, a ton of money in a couple of months after he's drafted. But um, the part of the state, on the western part of the state, is land between the lakes. It's two of our largest lakes. Beautiful part of the state. Um, Murray State University, regional university, top-notch school. And I'm sure... Um, it was the right fit for him, yeah. and he's, he's, it's the right place for him. Go racers. Go racers. Listen, we could talk about this all day, but we won't be a top-ranked podcast by boring our listeners. Let's take a quick break and come back with today's special guest. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Floor. Joel, why don't you introduce our next guest? So I just learned earlier in this episode, Beachwood High School doesn't provide class rank, but ranking number one in our hearts. Yes. We'd like to welcome to the podcast John Willis. John is a senior at Beachwood High School who is graduating in a couple of weeks. I'm sure you're excited about that. And he'll be attending the College of William & Mary this fall semester. John, thanks for being here and Welcome. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, yeah. So we just kind of want to know, we've been talking about college rankings uh, for this episode. So where did your college search start? What did, what, how did you start creating your college list? Well, when I was looking for colleges, the number one thing I thought I wanted in my mind was I wanted to be in an urban environment. And so I, I really was looking at schools that were in bigger cities. Mm-hmm. So I, I started at Northwestern. And my dad went there for business school, so I'd always heard about Northwestern. He never pushed me to go there, but it it just seemed familiar to me, and I love Chicago. Chicago was probably the biggest reason I wanted to go to Northwestern. He's a Chicago native. And um, I visited over spring break my junior year, and I loved it. And I knew that it was where I wanted to go at that time. And so I applied their early decision. And that was where really it all started because I applied there so so much uh, 
longer before I applied anywhere else, basically. Okay. Was that a November one? It was, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I applied there in November, and then the rest of the schools I applied to were, like, January 1st, 2nd. Yeah. So there was, like, a two-month gap where I was... I hadn't applied to any other schools, pretty much. Okay. For the most part. But, uh, so that... I did not get into Northwestern. I applied there early. I found out, I think, December 13th. And so then I started looking for other schools. And Vanderbilt was one that I kept coming back to. Okay. And Nashville. So yeah, Nashville. Urban I, setting for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got to visit Vanderbilt, actually, in the summer with my mom. And I loved it. I loved the campus. I loved Nashville. I loved everything about it and how it was just, like, in the city and how it was an up-and-coming area. I'm not a big country music guy, but I learned to live with it. And so I was I was really into that. And so I knew I was going to apply there uh, with their early decision two option. Okay. How did how did uh, Northwestern beat out Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt for ED1? Um, Northwestern beat out because Chicago. Okay. That's yeah. what I'm – okay. Yeah. All right. Honestly. So yeah, that's that's pretty much where it started. How did ED two turn out, John? ED two did not turn out favorably for me. I did not get into Vanderbilt either. God. Okay. And so I, but at that point, I had applied to. I applied to a total of fourteen schools, I okay. believe, and I got into six of them. I think that's right. I'll have to go through them in my head, but I. And at the same time I applied to Vanderbilt, I applied to pretty much every other school. Because it was ED2, it was a later deadline. Mm-hmm. And so it was – I think it actually was the same deadline as the regular decision. I okay. think the deadline was the same day. Right. And so on January – from the time period of December 29th to January 2nd, I applied to probably nine schools. Wow. It's a way to spend New Year's. It, it really was a way – I mean, I – and I mean, it's not that I finished all my essays in three days. I, right, right, I, I right. probably but just finished pro- the processing. Before, but <laughs> we, we worked on essays quite a bit, right? We did, yeah. But yeah. processing the, the applications. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's yeah. a that's a busy three or four day stretch right there. It it was it it took a little bit of time, but I I knocked it out and I pretty much just sat there for like three months after that. It's waiting game, man. Mm-hmm. It, it really is a waiting game, and you I'd, I'd hear back from a school I. I um I heard back from Vanderbilt in like mid February. Okay. Like February twelfth, I wanna say, somewhere around then. And after I heard back from Vanderbilt, I was just like, okay, my A didn't work out, my B didn't work out. So now I'm gonna I, I just I tried not to dwell on it. Mm-hmm. And I think I did a good job of that. I he mean, I, was one of the most calm chill people about decisions like this because you and I both know it stings when you get the no. Right. No matter what you, no matter what you tell a kid, I don't mean kid, like you're a kid, John, by the way, but this is the way I talk, I suppose. But when you, when you tell a student a hundred times that it's hard to get into the school, the percentages just stacked against them, this and that, and they know it, Right. Still stinks. Well, I always use the analogy with students. It's like a round of golf. You know, you have, if you're playing a good round, you, you shoot upper 60s or a 70, right? But it's human nature for us to not remember all of the great shots. We remember the one bad shot. Right. And I think it's the same way when you get that decision. Like, it's hard for a student not to dwell on it. 
that yeah. that one knows. So the fact that you were able to move past that, I mean, that's that's great. I mean, that's how long did the sting last? It had to be a sting. Admit it. There's a sting. Yeah, there's a sting. Okay, yeah. how long did it last for you? Because you were pretty fast, but about six hours. Six hours. That's pretty fast. That's the fastest I've seen. Right. That's and I'm not. I mean, I've had people. Like fetal position bawling right. in my office. Like I woke up the next morning and I was like, all right. Okay, next step, move on. Yeah, I was I was much more in like like let's take care of this issue. Like let's uh I need to figure out where I'm going to college mid. Okay. Like I, I like I don't have time to worry about I don't even have time to think about You don't have time to think about what it isn't gonna be. I'm the last person in my friend group to decide where yeah. they're going to college. I would like to get this decided. Do you did like was there a time period where you kind of like hated those people for not letting you in? I mean, you're you're too nice of a guy. Yeah. Probably not. I never hated them. <laughs> I, I I mean, I um I know it's not possible, but I wish they could give you feedback and just give you a why. But I I think I I was more upset that I felt like I had built a resume that was not playing out in the way that I wanted. Like, I, I felt like I had put a lot of time into building a resume. You did. But I, I also saw that, that I built that resume for me, too, because the, the experiences that I gained from doing things that I did while I was here at Beachwood, and I still am here at Beachwood, I wasn't just doing this so I could go to a good school. I was doing this so that I... No, you had a genuine resume. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, Joel. Uh, so John is a straight man. He is president of our GSA. Okay. To me, it's extremely high character. Mm-hmm. He didn't do that. He's an ally. Right. And and you know, I heard I've seen some things online where if you're as an ally, if you're not close enough to get knocked down, then you're not an ally. Right. When he's close enough to get knocked down. So you you, you have a young man here as a true ally. Um, how many people have asked you if you're gay this year? I've Knowing that you're president of the GSA, many people. Have asked yeah, me I mean, so it's 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 still you, so that's one thing. One thing. What I put in my letter about John, I don't know if I shared this with you or not. One thing I put in my letter about John is I um, there's this little kid. He's an eighth grader and just like he's just this little mouthy kid, man, and he's got some issues. And I, I'm looking out my office and I see John just out there like giving him this handshake that they given that they probably given a hundred times. And just making this little kid feel good. We're a seven through twelve high school. You right, know that, right. but um, he it, it was like that's character. That's 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 somebody. No one's looking, right? No one's watching, and you know I see you out there just interacting with with this with this kid who needs it. You know, uh, and and the one comment I had made in my letter, and this is, I mean, I really do feel this way because I I do a unique letter for each person. I know right. you do too. Right. Uh, I. Like being around John makes me want to be better, and and that's so well, thank it's, you. It's, it's 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 and then that I put that in the letter it didn't help us <laughs> in those those schools, but they they obsessed over your number. We won't have to say it on here. It was very good. Very the 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 the, the ACT score was very mm-hmm. good, um, but it wasn't a thirty six. It wasn't far away from 36. It wasn't a 36. And I think that the school is obsessed over it. Well, and, and you've heard me say this a ton of times. That goes to my biggest gripe is, like, you think somebody that's got a 36 versus, say, a 34 is going to be so much better in life. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's just stupid. There's nowhere. And, and I'm, I'm looking at this chart again, just kind of going back to what we've talked about this episode. 
there's there's nowhere in this ranking that's going to measure the character that he has. And it's no. sad. I mean, no, but you know what, William and Mary, they're going to congratulations. You, you have no idea. You have William no Mary. idea. Yeah. what's coming your way? Did rankings? And I'm separating rankings from reputation. And I know that reputation is derived from rankings in, in some unconnected way. Did rankings play any part in your search? You mean like just these numbers? Yes. Like yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. I don't think I ever looked at like a ranking sheet like that. Re- reputation, though. Talk about that for a second. So I knew it was... My parents didn't put a lot of pressure on me when it came to... I pretty much took care of all the college stuff. Like I, You didn't let them. No, I, my parents have still not read any of my college stuff. You put a wall up and said, this is me, I'm doing yeah, it. Yeah, nice work. I mean, they definitely, they, they provided for my, the money for my, sending in my applications, and they took me on a few visits. That's sad, there you go. I wanted it to be my, my thing, my decision, where to go. And in the end, it really was. Good job, Mom and Dad. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was really, really happy with how they, how they let me do that. And so. It wasn't easy for them. Oh no! Back. I wasn't. I can't wasn't easy that as a parent, yeah. but it, but they did. I, I and you know yeah, they yeah. did. Mm-hmm. And you know they did. Sorry, keep going. No, so they uh, they I knew that I the only expectation they really had for me was to go to a school where I could grow and I could basically explore whatever I wanted to and be a productive member of society. And in the end, they were really happy with all of my like when it came down to it, they were like, "You can go." Like, if you choose any of these schools, we think that you will be fine. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, when I was looking at schools, I know that I, I knew that I really wanted to study, like, a STEM major. Not so much the math part. I, I really wanted neuroscience, bio, or chem. Okay. And I don't know what I want to do with that degree, but I know that that is what That's I That's what you to want study. to study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to look at college. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking at schools, and I found out that most good schools have good neuroscience, bio, and chem, right. like, they, and there's not a huge difference between the schools when it comes to that. They, okay. all, they right. all, if it's a good school, it'll usually offer that, and it'll offer it well. Right. And so, when I was looking at schools, I narrowed it down to, I would honestly just, I would be looking at schools, and then I'd be in class one day, and I'd look something up, and I'd be like, I'm going to add the school to my list, and I'll, I'll do some more research on it. And so I would add that school to the list. I would do some research, and then I would decide whether or not it was worth my time to try to apply there, and if I thought I could get it or not. Yeah, yeah. And Indiana ended up on your list for a while. Indiana got was, really close, right? Indiana was my number two. I would have. Um, I didn't think I was going to get into William and Mary after hearing the results of yeah some of these yeah I mean, schools obsessed over test score schools especially right. regular decision like i i thought that there was no chance i thought that i was cuz at the when it came down to it i was waiting on emory washu duke and brown i knew were a wash i knew that was just not going to happen right. and then uh william and mary and mm-hmm. that was a there was like those five cuz you already knew about the publics yeah. so you already knew about indiana way back when and all yeah. that yeah uh, indiana literally, they they got back to me I think like ten days after. Yeah, they I did. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. ten days after I applied, I got my uh, acceptance letter. Wow, which was crazy to me. That because they they have a lot of people apply there too. I was just like, wow, that was a really quick turnaround. And then the other schools, like William and Mary, didn't tell me till March twenty third or something mm-hmm. like. I think it was March twenty third when I found out from them. But um, so these 
I applied to all those and regular decision, and I was looking up numbers on regular decision, and I was like, oh, there's no way. So <laughs> I visited Indiana, and I loved Indiana. Bloomington was a super nice town, and I I loved the campus. It was way cooler than I I mean, I, I knew that it was a cool school, and I knew everyone that goes there seems to just love it. Yeah, yeah, true. Right. But I, I, was, I just had the stigma in my mind. I was like, Indiana. I was like, <laughs> the state of Indiana. Like, it just seems kind of like... Right, and then you, then you, but you, that's why you have to visit. Yeah, and then I visited, and I found out that it's all but boring. It was, it was. Right. Well, when you're looking boring. at Nashville, Chicago for your first choices, yeah. of course, Bloomington's Bloomington. not going to fall on that right. yeah, on yeah, that same yeah. list. And so I, yeah, I, I loved in I loved Indiana, but when it came down to it, William and Mary was what I thought was the best option, and I think. So I, I have a couple of follow ups to that. Okay. Yeah. Prior to this episode. Did you know that William and Mary was the thirty-second ranked national university in the U.S.? I had no idea. Do you even care? I mean, I guess that's cool. I don't <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and that summarizes exactly. the yeah exactly. I guess that's cool. Uh, you know, I let's. I think a, a final question I've got, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you'll have more, Joel. Final question I have is: Would you change anything about your application process this year? Not one bit. I mean, even the even the ED one, ED two. I, I think that I went about it in the best way I could. Oh, I do too. I do too. I just didn't know if you wanted to go through that hassle again. Oh, you, oh. I mean, <laughs> you know, I. But you didn't know at the time. No, I didn't know. Right. And I think that, yeah, there's not. I don't think there's anything I would change. Awesome. And you know what? Like I said before. You're gonna to go to college. You're gonna do great. You're gonna you're gonna make it the experience that you need it to be and want it to be. And you know that that's cool. Uh, the, I appreciate uh, you being on here. I appreciate the story. I know Chris knew the story. Um, I'm happy to to hear kind of how your college application process progressed. It's because we talk about this all the time, so we love hearing. We love I'm, hearing this. I'm thing. excited for you, and I just met you earlier today. I'm, I'm well, excited. You yeah, you, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, as um, part as we part today, as we part today, we will leave you with this week's words of wisdom. Uh, first, remember to check out this episode on iTunes or SoundCloud, and check out our next episode as we talk more about the world of college admissions. I'm stealing this book title from Frank Bruni, a New York Times columnist, but this is our wisdom for the week. Where you go is not who you'll be. I'll say it again. Where you go is not who you'll be. Do we have a next episode planned? It's about college admissions. We'll just leave it at that. We'll leave you in suspense. Thanks for tuning in to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. We'll see you guys next time.